Hello and welcome to this week's Renick Centre podcast. My name is Trudy Smith. I'm the manager of continuing professional education at the RIDBC Renick Centre. We're continuing our series on careers and education journeys for people who are deaf and hard of hearing as part of our Hearing Awareness Week slash month that we're doing with March. And we've got an old friend of the podcast, Ronnie Lamau, is with us again. Delighted to have her back with us and sharing her story today. For those who haven't met you before, Bronnie, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. Hi, this is Bronnie Nimoff, and I'm an NDIS officer in RIDBC. Um, I'm deaf, and it's nice to be here with you all today. Thanks, Bronnie. And because we're talking about careers today, I want you to think back to when you were in high school. What answer did you give people when they said, what do you want to do when you finish school? Did you have a plan or a dream? Well, um, I really enjoyed visual arts in school and I was kind of talented in that class and I was really interested in going to art school. I worked towards design and technology classes and visual arts for the HSC. But unfortunately, um, the way that HSC structured with very um, rules and very um, high pressure kind of situation, and I put way too much expectations on myself. And that time, I really decided that um, doing art, where there are a lot of major projects and things, not really for me. So I actually changed my mind after I finished year 12. <laughs> And as I said, I wanted to do something that is psychology or social science space and went for that direction. Okay. Did you feel like there were any barriers to, to doing psychology after that? Did you, can you tell us about any of those barriers that you experienced and how you might have overcome them? Well, in high school, I was very independent. I issued any um, support that I wanted because, you know, teenagers back then, want to be as independent as possible so I did not have any interpreters or any support in class but after talking with um, a few people that I know who are deep here and and my mum who's an interpreter herself and they recommended having um, Auslan interpreters for university so I had to go through um, at McCoy has campus well-being that's a thing for um, students with disabilities or needing any um, additional support. I got in touch with them and there wasn't any barriers. They've been amazing with um, providing interpreters, um, note takers, um, extended time or um, board exams and things like that. It's, it's incredible. So um, throughout my studies, never been any barriers or um, issues to getting where I wanted to. That's fantastic because um, in our a previous podcast, we had a, another colleague, Simone Plunch, who was doing psychology, and the university said to her, we've never supported a deaf or hard of hearing person before. What support would you like? Do you think that helped that you knew the sort of support that might be available to you, that you could ask for that, or was it that the, the university just offered the suite to you without you having to come up with your own ideas about what you needed? Um, so I actually picked Macquarie University for a reason. 
um, I know a lot of people who are deaf are hard of hearing who went to Macquarie, and I know a few interpreters have um, regular jobs there, and they all have told me that if you're a deaf friendly university, so I chose that university for that reason alone. So it's very easy to navigate um, their support systems and what the people that I meet there would be supportive and actually are very proactive with offering support. Oh, that's brilliant to hear. And I mean, we did, we interviewed a couple of years ago, Zoe Dunn, who interviewed universities to ensure that they could provide the support that she needed. So it's really nice to hear that by either interviewing or asking around and finding that university that will provide the support you need, that's a much smoother journey. And that's really great to hear. Bronnie, you're not still working as a psychologist now, though. So tell us about that transition for you. No, not a psychologist. Um, so original plan for me is to get into a psychology degree, but the cutoff for ATR were pretty high that year. So I did not get in. So I went into social science degree. Um, so I did a lot of different types of units that included a lot of cognitive science which can kind of bridge into my interest in psychology but also um social sciences and um politics um disability services um that whole research um analysis all of that kind of stuff is really fascinating mm. so it kind of feed into um my passion for finding gaps and where people can find access or support and for me to help provide that support for other people. And at the same time that I was studying, um, a friend of mine who's deaf as well, he said that um, had the admin role available at the Deaf Society. And because of being a differently organisation and entry level role, I thought it would be a perfect way for me to get my foot in the door for um, a non-for-profit organisation like that. Um, I've been around halfway through my first year, I was studying part-time no, part and working part-time at the Deaf Society. And that's where I started into my career in um, non-for-profit organisations. Sure. So tell me now about your role now. Um, I, tell me about the access that you're receiving. Tell me first, sorry, tell me about the work that you're doing and then let me know, is the organisation actually providing the support that you need in your role? Things that, yeah, how, how is the organisation going and lay, enabling you to do your work? Um, do you mean at RIDBC here? I do, yes, please. Yeah. Right, um, my role is the entire support officer. Um, it's a dual role. Essentially, what I do is support clients and start with navigating and understanding the entire make service bookings and help people um, troubleshoot any issues such as um, at the one to plan with you, help them with that or um, if you don't understand something and need help with changing something, I help with that as well. That's one part of my role. The other part of my role is support coordination. Support coordination essentially is I find the support in 
a participant in Dyer's plan where it had um, a dedicated person to help them through everything that has to do with the entire plan and making sure that both the entire support and mainstream support are set up and in place for a participant to achieve their goals. So that that's fits, that fits really nicely with your interests in people with disability, helping them find the supports that they need. This sounds like a really nice fit for you, this role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And are you finding, are, are there supports that you need to do your role in terms of capturing support for meetings or interpreter support? Are there things that the organisation's doing to enable your ability to do the role? Yeah. Um, first thing first, um, I'm actually a New Zealand citizen, so I am not eligible for things like endias or... Um, Employment Assistance Fund was EAF, so I don't have um, funding from the government to help me get support that I need. So I'm pretty lucky that RIDBC has um, some budget set aside for me to, to have support, and that includes um, Oslo interpreting. So I find it really difficult to keep track of people in meetings, like people talking over each other or Sometimes some people have really strong accents and make it really difficult for me to understand them. So I have amazing interpreters to be there and help me understand everyone else. I also use the National Relay Service every day. The National Relay Service is um, a service funded by the government where it can be done by multiple ways, but essentially has... Well, a officer who calls people for you, and a deaf person can either type in or I'm um, assigned to not also interpreter as well, and they make the phone calls for me as well. I'll use that every day with clients, staff, everyone. So I really appreciate that kind of support. What else I use? Well, I use a cochlear implant, and I have um, the audio cable. That helps me hear everyone else, especially in Zoom meetings or team meetings. And the audio cable is really amazing. It's on par as not real life sound, which is really cool and really helps me really understand everyone. That's brilliant. Good to hear. So, Bronnie, I'm thinking about teenagers who are listening right now and thinking about, you know, they've got, they're facing university, they're facing their working lives and, and hearing you and you found this role, it sounds like a perfect fit for the kinds of things that you're interested in. What if, and, and they're wondering for themselves, what should I be doing? Should I be following my dream? Should I be choosing a more conservative role? What is your advice to those teenagers? Well, especially for deep and heart hearing teenagers, I will say for you to test your limits and don't be afraid to break them to know and understand where you stand. Because especially with me, when I was in high school, I got used to not needing help or needing support that I did not realise or acknowledge how much support that I actually do need. And then when I worked at the Dipsitis fully, Auslan workplace, so I did not need any support because everything's accessible. And then when I started here, I I was kind of out of my depth as well. Like 
relies on that, having the mates relies on that. I do need support and help, and that's okay. You know, it's okay to ask for help and not be embarrassed or be feel like you have to be as independent as possible because, you know, being dead is not something that's stopping you to do anything or making you feel like you're inferior because it is what it is. And, you know, you can do whatever it is you need to do and you need support for you to get there. That's okay. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a, a very strong sense of self, though, no, Brett Bonnie, and that you've you've worked through this as well. Are there is it is it something that you learned to be so resilient and, and, and sure of yourself, or is it something that you had advice about? How did you learn to be to stand up for yourself and, and, and feel comfortable asking for help? Yeah, something I had to learn for myself. Um, it took me quite a long time for me to feel comfortable with myself and to feel that it's nothing to be ashamed of. So, yeah, especially we're talking with a lot of people, like mentors, um, people I care about, friends, family, they are very supportive. So that plays quite a lot of, that plays a big role into building my sense of self-worth as well. And, yeah. Mm, sure well I know as somebody who works with you we're incredibly grateful to have you because you both bring knowledge and sensitivity to your role but as well as that that insight into you know the ways that we should be supporting and advocating the the kids and teens and adults that we're working with so thank you so much for sharing your story with us today we really appreciate it yeah you're welcome thank you for having me here and um, giving me the opportunity to share about my career my education, all of that as well. Thanks, Bronnie. And thank you to Shaboy for her interpreter support. Just to remind everybody that we are undergoing a new brand here at RIDBC. And so the name of this podcast is going to change and potentially um, how you find it. So we will keep you informed as the changes are made. But for now, you've been with the Renick Centre podcast, so thanks so much for joining us.